Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, here we are with spring rolling on here, and uh, you know, summer's about about here. Feels like it. It does. It's warmed it up. It does. It does. And we have some uh, we have some warm topics to talk about here. <laughs> One of them is is where to stash your cash. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it just it seems like there's been an epidemic of people I've met with recently that have a cash management cash management problem, <clears throat> but it's not yeah. the type of cash management problem you think of. It's having too much cash, just building up, doing nothing. Yeah, some of the banks are still at you know point two five percent. So exactly. there are other options out there. There are. So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to switch to reverse mortgages. Steve, this is a uh, topic that um, gets a lot of attention. If you you know watch the you know if you watch TV, there's all kind of um, stars that are pitching reverse mortgages and. Uh, in some cases, it may make sense, but you just got to understand what these really are. And, um, you know, there's some education that you have to go through before you sign on the dotted line because some uh, some cons to this as well. But, you know, it's an asset that you have. You could turn it into cash. So we'll go, we'll dive into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little more complicated than you might think on the surface. So you want to understand what you're getting into. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast that you can uh, you can listen to directly from the computer. You can go out there and listen to the hundreds and hundreds of podcasts that we have now built up on pretty much every topic, I would imagine, um, that there's out there on finance. Probably We've so. probably covered yeah. most things. We, we so. pretty much have covered everything. Yeah, so that's right. So check out the website. A lot of videos out there as well. Uh, Facebook page, uh, we put posts out there as well as a Twitter handle also. Absolutely. You also can reach us by email. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions. You can email us at info at moneymd.net. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, T. Rowe Price just did a, uh, a recent study, and about 33% of parents talk to their children about money only once per month, and 4% said they never talked to them at all. Um, so, you know, more than a third of them basically said that uh, money discussions were taboo, and so that's why they didn't talk to them. So 33%, Steve, once a month, um, that's that's too low. I mean, it ought to be a, a right. weekly, if not daily, type conversation because the schools aren't teaching it. No, for the most no, part, they're not. I mean, and South Aiken is, uh, Aiken High is, North Augusta, um, and so. But yeah, I mean, if the parents aren't going to teach them, then who is? And well, I can tell you who's <laughs> anxious to teach your children about money. <laughs> yes, that's the credit card companies, <clears throat> mm-hmm. the financial media, the car, you know, dealerships. You know, all the consumer, all the all the retailers out there want to teach your kids about money, mm-hmm. and they want to teach your kids how to borrow money. Yep, and spend and how money to with spend them. Spend too much money, so you want to be the one to teach your kids about money. So it's not a taboo subject. You know, you need to share more than you think you do about your situation with your kids, and lead by example. And you need to teach them because it's 
it's important. important. You Very. know, the other thing I was reading some stats on this and, um, you know, half of all marriages end in divorce and, and finances is one of the main reasons why exactly. uh, people grow up not talking about it and they get into a marriage and they don't talk about it. So, you know, there's a lot of consequences beyond just the financial, you know, aspect of it. It's also relationships. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So great fact of the week. And that leads up here to our first topic, and that is where to stash your cash. Where to stash the cash? Under yeah. the mattress, right? Under the mattress. Well, we're going to talk about that. That's one option, John. Uh, we'll talk about that one. This is based on an article out of Investopedia, Gene Folger, um, very recently. And uh, But, John, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've sat down with recently. I don't know if you've seen this, mm-hmm. but I have. just have an inordinate amount of money sitting around their bank or their savings account, earning less than a quarter percent per year. Um and, you know, yes, a few years ago, it was true that you couldn't earn anything significant on your cash, but that has slowly changed over the last few years as the Fed has raised interest rates. Um, and while it's still not like the good old days 15 years ago when you could get like five or four or five percent in a money market fund, uh, it hasn't proved enough that it's time to start paying attention to the money sitting around in your savings account. And I know that's not a problem everybody has, right? A lot of people have cash management problems. Usually it's not not having enough cash. Right. But I've seen a lot of people that are, you know, that are good savers and they just build up cash and they they let it build up thinking that that it it doesn't earn anything. So there's no need to do anything about it. And, uh, you know, I sat down with somebody just last week um, who had about $200,000 sitting in a couple savings accounts earning less than 0.2%. Wow, that's a big number. That's a big number, you know, and the banks just love people like this because, you know, they're now earning a lot of money on deposits. Unlike just a few years ago, banks, you know, they're going to go out there and they're going to put this money, you know, where it can earn them a couple percent. And so unfortunately, though, I see this all the time with people who still assume they can't do much better than just a simple savings account. And, uh, you know, I pointed out to her that the bank... Instead of her was earning about an extra 2% on her money sitting idle, which amounted to about $4,000 a year mm-hmm. or $333 a month. That's um, <clears throat> a couple of nice golf rounds. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's a lot of money, you know. And you think about all the mo- all the time <clears throat> you spent trying to save a little bit of money by not having your latte in the morning, by not going to, you know, to shop at the best place. You know, you go to Aldi's, try to save on groceries and and then you're throwing away you know two or three hundred dollars a month maybe mm-hmm. by having a ton of cash sitting around that's not earning you anything so you, you can't let that happen you know um so anyway she was just made to, to you know to realize that problem and immediately wanted to address it in which we we did so um something you got to look at yeah i mean of course you've got money that is um kind of set aside for emergencies and you want to keep that super safe and make sure um, you know, the risk of losing that is very, very low. And, and although you can reap larger returns with higher risk investments, you know, such as stocks or, you know, some other options, the idea behind savings is to allow the money to grow slowly with little or, or no associated risk. So you look at some online banking options, they've expanded. Um, they have, uh, you know, some higher interest saving uh, products and accounts. But sometimes those are temporary, so you got to be careful with those. So we're going to dive into a couple of different options here that we see, and um, you know maybe one of these will fit you. Exactly. First, we're just going to back up and you know talk in general about the different types of savings 
options out there. Um, and so the traditional one, of course, is the bank savings account. You know, and while these used to be a place to stick your money, you know, your safe money for a decent yield, those days are mostly gone. You know, savings accounts, um, you know, for, for 10 years now, offered by banks and credit unions, uh, just really don't pay hardly anything. Um, but, you know, I mean, credit unions, banks, they, they, um, they, they offer, you know, savings accounts that uh, traditionally used to pay 4 or 5% um, back, you know, 15, 15 years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but, you know, now they don't. And, uh, and, and they may, you know, they may be free. They may have a service fee. Sure, you can write checks from your checking account. You can move money back and forth. It's very convenient having it all in one bank where you can just move it, you know, instantaneously from your savings to your checking. Um, but at the same time, it's they're, they're typically paying like 0.05 to 0.2% is about what you're getting in any type of savings account in a bank. Um, online bank can do slightly better in high-yield uh, savings accounts, but usually that's that's temporary. Yeah, and so another option here is high-yield bank accounts. And um, these high-yield bank accounts are it's a type of savings account, and it's FDIC protected. It earns a higher interest rate um, than the standard rate. Um, the reason is that it earns more money is that it usually requires maybe a, a larger initial deposit and maybe the account uh, access is limited. And many banks do offer this type of account to, to customers who have uh, other accounts with the bank. So online high yield bank accounts are are available, um, but you may need to set up transfers from another bank or deposit, you know, move money back and forth. So there's some activity required. These may pay a percent or a percent and a half, but uh, again, some of these can be temporary. So you got to make sure you understand kind of the fine, fine print on these. <clears throat> yeah. And you have to watch them. I opened one of those back a number of years ago and it was good for about a year, but I kept watching it and then they started tweaking the interest down, mm-hmm, right. you know, without even telling you. So <clears throat> you do have to be careful there. Um, you know, of course, then there's CDs, um, certificates of deposit. They're available through most banks, credit unions, like savings accounts, CDs are FDIC insured. So, um, but they do generally offer higher interest rates, especially with larger and longer deposits. So, um, the catch with a CD is you have to keep your money there for a specific period of time. And there is a penalty such as losing three months worth of interest um, if you decide to pull it out early, um, popular maturities are anywhere from six months to one year to five years. Um, and any interest earned can be added to the CD, you know, when it matures and when it's renewed and you can ladder them, you can stage them out, you know, and, and some people I see do that or stage them out over, over, you know, three month periods. So they buy them at different maturities and different times. So they're, there's one maturing maybe every three months that it can have access to. <clears throat> um, so that's one way of getting some liquidity there. But CDs, they'll range between a half percent to three percent if you go all the way out to five-year maturities. Um, but what you're giving up there is liquidity. Mm-hmm. Money is kind of locked in for quite a while in a CD. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes you'll see crazy high interest rates advertised on these lighted signs sometimes outside of a financial institution. Um, I know driving around our area, there's a there's a couple of them in the CSRA that I see. Uh, recognize those are typically callable CDs, which have 20 to 30 year maturities, but can be called back within a year or two. 
you want to stay away from those kind of obscure deals that are out there where you're locked in for some very long period of time. Um, you know, then you have significant interest rate risk and opportunity risk of having your money locked up for forever. <laughs> yeah, 20 to 30 years is a long time. So it is a long time. Another one that you hear a lot about is money market funds. And it's a type of mutual fund that invests only in low-risk securities. And um, the price is pegged at a dollar a share. And as a result, money market funds are considered one of the lowest risk you know, type of mutual funds. And uh, they're just about as safe as any f- fixed investment out there. And it gives you liquidity as well. So these money market funds, they typically uh, provide a return similar to short-term interest rates. They're not FDIC insured, but sometimes they are covered through something called uh, SIPC insurance if you have a brokerage account. So mutual funds, brokerage firms, and many you know banks offer money market funds, and they can be pretty good rates. Yeah, I mean, the interest <clears throat> rates are not guaranteed, but they tend to react quickly to changes in short-term rates. And that means that the yields will typically go up pretty quickly when rates begin to rise. Um, so it keeps you kind of current with the higher interest rates <clears throat> when rates do rise. So good money market funds nowadays are paying about 2 to 2.3% in today's rate environment. Um, you know, and given that these are totally liquid, they can be linked typically to your bank account for convenience. So you can move money back and forth within, say, a week. Um, you know, this tends to be our favorite option for short-term investment for cash. Um, so put a, put a star by that one. That's one that, you know, most people I think should consider with their, with their savings for money that's not for their immediate, you know, emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's money market deposit accounts, uh, these are offered by banks. They typically require a minimum initial deposit and balance with a limited number of monthly transactions. So they're kind of like a, a you know something between a savings account and a CD. Um, they limit your access to it a little bit. <clears throat> and unlike money market funds, money market deposit accounts at banks are FDIC insured. Uh, penalties can be assessed. You know if the required minimum balance isn't maintained or if the maximum number of tra- monthly transactions are surpassed. Um, the accounts typically offer lower rates than CDs or money market funds, but the cash is accessible. And these typically are paying between, say, a half to 1.5% per year in today's environment. Yeah, another choice here is um, bond funds. And uh, a bond really is, it's low risk typically. I mean, there's some risk in there that you have to understand, but it's a debt instrument. It's kind of like an IOU that's issued by a company, um, maybe a state or government type entity as well to fund projects. And when you purchase a bond fund, you're buying shares in a fund that purchases these bonds um, issued by the various entities. So in exchange for the loan, the bond issuer pays interest for the life of the loan or the life of the bond and returns the face value of the bond at maturity. So bonds are used for a specific period at a um, you know specific f- uh, fixed interest rate. So it's not going to vary uh, for the interest rate, but the value certainly can based on the interest rate. So there are some risk. Um, so you got to make sure you understand what the returns and maturity period of the bond is uh, to see if it fits. Yeah, those are a little more sophisticated, but they're a good tool for, you know, participating in kind of a higher fixed income yields. Um, however, the, the higher the yield, the typically the more risk. Um, as interest rates go up or the economy drops, you know, bond funds can get hurt um, and can lose value. 
you know, and although they are they're typically much less risk than stock funds, there there still is a significant risk there, um, which needs to be understood. So, but currently in in a corporate bond fund, you might get three to four percent per year um, in today's environment in terms of of current yield. So, uh, you know, that's an option to look at. You know, if you're willing to take a little more volatility and risk with uh, your fixed income investments. So the bottom line here today is, you know, it's easy to let cash build up, sit idle in your checking or savings account. And as rates, you know, have risen over the last several years, there are now some better opportunities to gain a significant higher yield on your cash savings. Um, And since interest rates are constantly changing, it's important to do your homework before you commit to anything, really understand what the options are that are out there. But if you have a large sum of money sitting idle in your low-yielding savings account, it's time to take a look at that, find a better solution, get something that's yielding two, two and a quarter percent um, in maybe a money market fund. That would be our our suggestion for that type of, of, uh, of money. So uh, that's the story there. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with college graduates and says, what is one piece of advice you would give to a college graduate? And <clears throat> without knowing what their situation is debt wise or whatever, I would say um, one thing that Dave talks about is, you know, budgeting, make sure that when you do come out and you're making yep. 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever the number is, you got to make sure you're telling that money where to go every single month. Um, if you have debt, that that's a priority. If you don't, then you can start building up an emergency fund, start saving for retirement. But if you don't tell it where to go, it's just going to disappear. Yeah, absolutely. I would say my number one suggestion for a college graduate would be start immediately saving 15% of any income they get into a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. Um, That would kind of be number one for me. Number two, I'd probably say is never incur debt other than a mortgage no credit cards, no car payments <clears throat> ever. Save, pay cash for everything. Cash. You know. How do you watch? Well, you know. It's tough, Steve. Come on, that's man. That's right. And, you know, just, <clears throat> There's a way to do it. Debit, <clears throat> you debit, start early. Debit, debit card. Get ahead. Once you get ahead, I mean, you got to pay for it anyway. Just get ahead once and then just pay cash. That's you right. know, that's the answer, you know, really. Um, so if you could do those two things, my goodness, I mean, you'll be very, very successful financially. Um you know, over time, as long as you stay employed. That's right. So <laughs> that's another good advice, right? That stay, is another good get a job. Advice. Absolutely. That leads us up here to our next topic, and that is reverse mortgages. Are they for you? Yeah, this actually was an article out of the uh, Aiken Standard a couple of weeks ago um, by Kevin Collins. He's uh, part of the uh, Be- Better Business Bureau. And um, so, uh, you know, I mean, if you watch TV, Steve, um, or listen to the radio, people are selling these reverse mortgages. And, you know, while the name seems pretty self-explanatory, most consumers really have no idea how they work. And, um, you know, being uneducated on these type of products is dangerous and um, because this is a major financial decision. Yep. Basically, a reverse mortgage allows a homeowner to convert part of the equity in a home to cash, and they don't have to sell the property. So, in other words, it's a loan against your home and um, you know you don't have to pay it back for as long as you live in your home and due to the attractiveness of these loans uh, some senior citizens are being charged very uh, high upfront fees for services that are generally available for free or at a very low cost through the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development so something that you want to do some research on and we'll go into some more detail here. 
Yeah, and then he also says here, you know, the Better Business Bureau advises consumers to use caution, you know, if you're approached with the opportunity to obtain a reverse mortgage. I mean, taking the time to understand the requirements um, is very important. Consider all the factors involved and learn what, you know, free resources are out there that are available to help you make an informed decision about this. I mean, don't be swayed by celebrities out there that are, you know, kind of peddling these and the commercials that you see. Um, make sure you have all your questions answered. Um, you know, the Better Business Bureau, the FTC, they offer some some tips when considering a reverse mortgage. So here are some of those tips. Yeah. So the first one is, is just make sure you know the basic requirements um, to a- apply for a reverse mortgage. The owners of the home must be at least 62. They must have some equity in the home and they obviously have to sign uh, be able to sign the loan paperwork and, and the home must be the primary residence must remain in good condition. Uh, reverse mortgage borrowers, they continue to own their home and they're going to be responsible still for the property taxes, insurance and repairs. And if you fail to carry out those responsibilities, your loan could become due and payable in full. So you got to be careful with that. And the for loan sure. process you know, can be initiated, can't be initiated until the uh, senior receives counseling um, you know, for, for, from a certified counselor, um, right. associated with this. So there's some training that has to go through. Yeah. They call these people home equity conversion mortgage counselors. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're mortgage counselors, bottom line. And so they say, you know, you really need to consult a mortgage counselor, HECM counselor. Um, they can help answer questions regarding the eligibility, the financial implications and, and all the other alternatives that are out there. Um, also, the FHA, FHA, the Fair Housing Administration, <clears throat> they don't recommend using any kind of service uh, fee type of referral for these reverse mortgages. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of them out there that will try to refer you somewhere that they want a fee. They want a, a cut of it, essentially. Um, it gets tacked onto the front of your cost. So, you know, they say don't do that. You know, there are counselors that are available for free or very low cost. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you can... Log on to the HUD website, hud.gov, and they'll have a list of those counselors that are approved that can give you some free advice on those. Yeah, that's good. And uh, another you know tip is to make sure your heirs are involved in the decision making uh, because a reverse mortgage is basically <laughs> you're basically you know using some of your assets to spend for income is what it boils down to. So it's going to impact the uh, your heirs. And um, just making sure they understand what you're getting into would be good to get some another perspective, so there's no you know misunderstandings and family discord as you go through that process. So um, that's that's important. Make sure your family is involved. Another one is make sure it suits your needs. I mean, the amount that you can get your from your reverse mortgage it depends on your age, um, the value of your home, you know, the location, the cost of the loan, and who's making the loan. So determine whether it's practical to remain in the home for five to ten years to make sure that the reverse mortgage is, is economical because there are costs that are built into this. And also take into consideration future healthcare needs as well um, as safety and ease of use of the home. So moving to an assisted living or nursing home, it could require the repayment of the reverse mortgage. So, you know, this is not a, a good product for everybody, maybe in some cases, but uh, you got to be careful. That's right. And you need to understand how it works because, you know, reverse mortgage is going to accumulate over time. You're going to owe more money over time. As you get money through your reverse mortgage, the interest will add onto the balance. So the interest is going to get larger and larger each month. 
Um, that means the amount that you're going to owe grows as the interest on your loan adds up over time. But you're never going to owe more than the home's value at the time the loan is repaid. So to understand how it works. They also don't loan the whole amount. I, I don't have That's personally right. have any clients that have done this, but I've had conversations and researched it. $300,000 home, they may loan you one hundred and sixty. That's right. So I think there's gonna, a limit. There's maybe 80% or it might even be maybe, 60%. Yeah, it's, it's like 60%. Low. Yeah, I had a client that did this a few years ago. And, um, but yeah, it's there is a limit to how much, the, and it's based on your age too and your life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all kind of things involved. They're actually pretty expensive. When you look into it, yeah, there's a lot of costs. That's the, the next end. next tip is you got to make sure there's origination fees, closing costs, mortgage insurance premium, servicing fees, and you had the interest rate. So you've got to understand that piece of it. Uh, there'll be a lot of numbers on this. So yeah, yeah. if you need help with, with looking at this, get a family member, go to a lawyer, go to an advisor or something and get someone to help you look at it. Yeah, they they can be expensive and complicated. But understand the repayment terms as well. You know, a reverse mortgage loan has to be repaid in full when the owner dies or when the home is sold. You know, but some other conditions that that would affect the loan repayment uh, include failure to pay property taxes or hazard insurance, uh, allowing the home, the property to deteriorate um, if the borrower is, you know, permanently moves um, or has a primary residence or fails to live in the home for 12 months, that also would cause it to be repaid. So you have to understand all those complicated, you know, scenarios. Sure. And with with any program, product, or service, you got to do your due diligence. Um, do There's some reputable companies out there that provide these. Make sure you go to that HECM counselor. Go to the HUD website, um, hud.gov. Check that out, and uh, obviously, if you have any questions and we can help you, just give us a call, and we'll uh, do what we can. Absolutely. All right, good topic, and that leads up to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so, um, you know, we talk about scams uh, periodically because folks are uh, – there's a lot of scammers out there. They're unfortunately, you know, <laughs> and, all over the place on the Internet. Yeah, and it's interesting, um, you know, imposter scams are surging, and um, I did a little, little bit of research, and it goes something like this. And typically, they they target the elderly, so a grandparent, yep. and they <clears throat> pretend to be the grandson or granddaughter. And the call comes through and says, "Hey, I've been in an accident and need your help. Um, I'm going to have um, someone give you a call, uh, a doctor, or a lawyer, or a police officer, and they'll explain everything to you. They basically get the the senior, the grandparent, to send money. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> then the caller says, "Please make sure you don't tell mom or dad." and and uh, it's surprising. There was $328 million of loss, and most of this is in cash. Yep. So mm. these people are, are calling on the phone, you know, impostering a family member, and they're getting cash from seniors. I've had clients <laughs> that fell into this, um, you know, but the one that I'm thinking of, he got called uh, by saying that he had won something. You know, mm. it was an award kind of thing, but, of course, they wanted money up front, and they wanted linked to your bank account and that kind of stuff. So, um, but then they also mentioned, you know, there's the IRS agent is another popular mm-hmm. one. And they're usually, strangely enough, with all the spoofing that goes on with emails now that can you kind of recognize, you know, when you get these phony emails, um, these are mostly done by phone, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so these are actually phone calls that they get, you know, they're targeting the elderly saying, Hey, I'm an IRS agent or I'm with the social security administration. And, you know, you, you got a problem here, you know, you need to pay us and, and uh, and then they want it. They want you to pay. I mean, the 
kind of the one of the red flags is they want you to pay with either what gift cards or uh, a money order, mm-hmm. something that can't be reclaimed. That's it's right. Not, they'll never accept a credit card. Um, they want some. At one in four people ages 70 and above who reported losing money to a family or friend imposter said they sent cash. So 25% that reported losing money, they sent cash. And only one in 25 for all the other frauds was cash involved. So cash is not traceable, right? Yeah, right. So, but as you're mentioning the wire and so forth, so you got to be careful. Um, if you do, you know, have seniors in your family, um, no, you know, just got to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, they need to just be on the lookout for this and just not not talk to anybody on the phone in general, you know, just direct them to, to you know, if somebody wants something like that, you know, direct them to talk to you or, you know, a trusted trusted person in the family that can decipher through it. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a rising problem, and it's pretty always been out there, but it's getting more yeah, prevalent. pretty sad. So really is. Um, all right, good prescription of the week, and that, it brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.